Don't let a DUI charge ruin your life. Get a professional and confidential evaluation from our experienced team at True Heights Treatment. Our evaluations are accepted by the majority of courts in the state of Illinois and provide a comprehensive assessment of your substance use patterns and potential treatment needs. Get the help you need today and start your path to a brighter future. Contact us now to schedule your evaluation at 708-248-7039 or at thtdui.com. The George Brassy Podcast is made possible with funding provided from Brassy Global Strategies, LLC, a leading political consulting, public policy, government affairs, and research firm. Are you interested in running for elected office? Need advice? Call or email George, 708-769-5015. Brassy Global Strategies 1 at gmail.com. Tom Babian from the Shifter YouTube channel to my podcast. Tom, thanks for coming on. Hi, George. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you. Tom, uh, I love your channel. I wanted to know uh, what led to your interest in urban cycling and the launch of your channel. Well, uh, practicality for both of them is the answer to both of those. I've, uh, you know, I was, I've been a bike commuter for, I guess almost 20 years now. And it started way back when I just got tired of sitting in my minivan in traffic on my way to work every morning. And I thought I would just uh, try riding a bike one day and I just fell in love with it immediately. And um, back then in my city, I live in Calgary here in Canada and we're a pretty suburban city. We're in, we're the, we're the oil capital of, of Canada. We're often compared to the Houston of uh, often called the Houston of Canada. So there wasn't a lot of, you know, bike infrastructure or anything like that back at the time. So it was really tough to um, use my bike for transportation in a lot of cases. So it really just, you know, you know, as I was riding, I just started asking questions about why was this so hard? And it sort of led me down into this urban cycling path. And, um, you know, at the time I was working as a journalist, I was uh, an editor at the newspaper here. And so I, on the side, I just started a blog about cycling. And it found an audience pretty quickly that I, I didn't realize it at the time, but there were a lot of people out there with the same questions that I did about why things are so tough uh, to ride a bike in the city. And um, it grew from there. You know, I, I don't work at the paper anymore, but um, when I left, I was just looking at uh, ways of connecting with the audience. And I thought I would give YouTube a try and found an even uh, more global audience there full of other people who were asking the same questions, but, you know, I think a lot of people in a lot of North American cities often wonder why it's so tough to ride a bike and we're often led to the same conclusions. And so the YouTube channel Shifter is really about shifting mindsets and, uh, you know, getting people to think a little bit differently about cycling, about cities, about transportation. And I've been really pleased with how things have gone with the channel, the global nature of it. I'm always surprised when I hear from people in Jakarta or uh, Riyadh or or Amsterdam about their experiences. So it's been, you know, I've learned a lot and I think uh, I, I sort of feel like there's a community growing there with me. We're all learning together. Uh, hopefully our cities are getting better as we go as well. So that was Absolutely. sort of the, sh the short version of the journey that got me here. Absolutely, Tom. You're, you're you know, I'm a, uh, on the city council where I live and I love your videos. I share them with my colleagues and uh, 
we have a lot of similar issues as far as like the domination of automobiles as compared to giving space to pedestrians and bicyclists. So tell me, what is your conclusion? Uh, why is it so hard to bike in your city or almost any city in North America? Well, the sort of practical answer, I think, is the infrastructure. I just think we haven't built for cyclists. I think you get what you build for and for automobiles, and that's what we end up getting. Um, and it's really hard to break through that. I think it's even hard for people to even recognize it. We've been doing it for so long. Um, and, you know, and, you know, I live in the West and our cities are, are newer than some of the ones in the East, like where you are, you know, um, not that much newer, but even that makes a difference. And, you know, most of our, most of the growth in my city has come you know, after, you know, post-war and it's really followed that suburban growth pattern. And I think we've raised generations of people who don't even realize there's a, a different way of doing it. And so, you know, we just haven't, we, we don't accommodate cyclists. I think what we've learned and what we've seen in cities all over the world is that people will, will use the transportation method that's most convenient to them. And if we make that automobiles, they'll use automobiles. But if we make it public transit or if we make it cycling or even walking, that's what people will use. And so we've got uh, a long way to go to get back to that. You know, we've actually made great progress here in Calgary over the last you know, seven or eight years. And it's uh, very, um, it gives me a lot of hope that we can keep growing this way and that, you know, it's not predetermined, you know, cities are built. We often hear that, you know, oh, we're not, we're not oh, Amsterdam or we're not Copenhagen, you know, they were born that way, but you know, that's just not the case. Cities are built and uh, it takes time, but we can build the city we want. We just have to have the political will um, uh, to, to start doing it and we can get there. Absolutely. That's so important. Uh, it's often thought of not as a political question, but, in my opinion, it's one of the most important political questions um, about how the built environment is designed and whether it's inclusive for people with bikes and people who are walking. Um, Tom, when you are in Calgary, that's a, a pretty big city in the country of Canada. Why should smaller towns in North America invest in bike and pedestrian infrastructure? Well, for the same reasons. Yeah, you're right. Calgary's, you know, we're about a million people here. So, um, but it's actually a good example of what a city can do. Like for years we had, we always had a pretty good network of recreational pathways, but they weren't great for transportation. You know, there were sort of long, you know, loping uh, path routes through parks, but so it was really hard to get places. But, you know, there was a hard fought political battle here about five or six years ago. And we built all at once a downtown network of safe, separated bike infrastructure. And it really transformed uh, getting around the downtown area. Now we've got lots of work to go to keep expanding that. But, you know, the number of cyclists doubled or tripled. I don't know what the numbers are at right now. COVID sort of threw things off, but um, the, it was growing. Uh, more people were, were, were riding their bikes. And it's just so good for the city. And I think the reasons that make it good are good anywhere. Um, you know, it's good for it's good for people. It's good for their health. It's good for their mental wellness. Uh, it's good for the city. It sort of um, uh, gets, you know, gets, you can get more people moving without having to build more roads. Um, it's just, you know, makes the streets more lively. It makes the streets more interesting. All these things are, are, are really great. And I think with a small town, one of the advantages is that you don't have the long distances in a lot of cases, uh, you know, sort of depends on the growth, but there's a there's a good example near us, you know, we're right on the foothills of the Rockies and there's a mountain town near us near, called Canmore. And it was about, you know, it's 10 or 10 or 12,000 people. And 
um, they've had a bike initiative in the, in the town for you know a number of years now, and they've really encouraged cycling over the years. They've slowly added bike routes, um, and it's really made just like a really great town environment. I mean, there's more people riding um, and walking because of it. Um, it's really easy to get around. You know, the distances from one end of the town to the other are not huge. You know, I'd say you know, the longest ride you're going to do is 10 or 12 kilometers, but there's lots of hills, but all these things have just been made easier because they've taken the initiative to do it, you know, and uh, I think all the benefits of cycling uh, apply to every community, no matter what. I think you just have to sort of put your mind to it and, and start working on it. Tom, why should um, employers encourage their workforce to cycle to and from work instead of driving a car? Well, uh, for selfish reasons, probably. I think it's good for the company uh, when you've got uh, employees who are healthy and happy. I know just on a personal level, when I ride my bike, I'm just a better employee. <laughs> you know, I arrive at work uh, ready to go. I'm happier. I have more energy. Um, you know, in the days that I don't ride, I can feel it. I think my coworkers even noticed, you know, on days when I pull in and I'm you know, sort of moping around and they're like, oh, you didn't ride your bike today, did you, Tom? Uh, so it really benefits them. I also think it helps them save on things like parking. I think sometimes we forget how much uh, companies spend uh, providing parking to their employees. That's a, it can be a huge cost. You can cut back on that if you encourage cycling. Um, it creates camaraderie in the workplace. I just think there are so many advantages. And the, and the bigger picture too, if more companies did that and we get more people cycling in a city, it does improve the city. You know, I think, you know, we hear all, we hear all time, we hear lots of cities talking about trying to make their city better for young people. We want to attract, you know, the tech workers. We want to make it more inclusive for everybody. I think cycling can help all of that. We want to, you know, um, it, it's really good. It, it's affordable. I think not having to, uh, you know, have a car in your life uh, is really great for your pocketbook as well. Um, so there are just so many advantages for businesses and for cities all around and on a personal level. So, yeah, I'd love to see. I know lots of there are lots of companies doing great incentive programs for work. Even something as simple as offering showers or a place to lock your bike securely uh, can make a huge difference uh, in lots of workplaces. And I'd love to see more more doing it. Absolutely, Tom. Um, when you think about the role that biking has in a transportation system, uh, talk a little bit about the reason why biking should be thought of transportation, not just as recreation. Yeah, I think that's one of the problems we have here in North America, even within the cycling industry, I guess, is that it's for so long, it's been treated as a sport that I think we've forgotten about the practical transportation potential of it. Um, when you go into a bike shop, a lot of bike shops in North America, you know, it's geared, it's got, expensive mountain bikes and expensive road bikes and they're not very comfortable bikes sometimes they go fast but sometimes you can't put a rack on them to carry your uh, computer to work or your lunch um so it really is um endemic even in the industry itself so again that's starting to change as well but um you know recognizing cycling as a as a practical option just it's just a practical city building thing i think um you know, a lot of cities, we're, we're full up with cars, we're full up with automobiles. I think the automobile density in a lot of cars is just keeps growing and growing and growing. There's more cars per capita. And you just build your way out of it. You can't just keep building roads 
wider and wider and wider. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You know, they just fill up with cars then. And so cycling is just another great option. It expands the, um, uh, you know, if, if you're only on foot, you've got what, three or four kilometers within, within your home that you can get to easily. A bike expands that to five, six, seven, ten 10 kilometers uh, easily as well. Add public transit to the mix. And you've got a city that uh, is pretty resilient, can get around. People can get around uh, much more easily and much more affordably and, you know, more practically too. I just think it's, um, you know, the days of us thinking that you can take your car everywhere and park it for free in every location are gone. We just can't do it anymore because it, it doesn't make any sense. It's not practical. We can't afford it anymore. Um, you know, I know you're a follower of Strong Towns. I think they've done a pretty, made a pretty strong case for, uh, the affordability side of this thing. It's just, we can't keep building the way we've been building. It's going to bankrupt our, our towns and cities and cycling can be a small part of the solution to that. Absolutely. One of my favorite videos that you've done on your channel um, is uh, entitled, My City Hates Me Because I Ride a Bike. Can you talk a little bit about some of the things that you noticed um, in your city that were hostile to biking? Yeah, sure. You know, that's um, that video came about after years of me riding. And, you know, I sort of had, you know, in, in riding my bike, I, I think I stopped recognizing how much I had to overcome to get to work on my bike. And I just started one day thinking about what if I pointed out all these all the little things that are telling me not to ride. And um, it's kind of amazing, you know, when I step back to look at it. Things as simple as um, speed limits on uh, on roads. Uh, we have a 50 kilometer speed limit here, which is what, about 30 miles per hour, um, which doesn't sound very fast, but when you're on a narrow road and someone comes driving by you on a, when you're on your bike and someone drives by in a car at 50 kilometers an hour, it's terrifying. It's really fast. <laughs> you know, that's just one thing that discourages you. I think, one of the problems that we have in my city is I've got disconnected bike infrastructure. We've got, you'll have a bike path that will take you a quarter of the way and then it just stops. It just dumps you out on a street with very little accommodation. And so you're on a nice safe route and suddenly you're fighting for your space within automobiles that can really easily run you down. Um, and so, you know, that's, a, that, that's something that was discouraging me from riding. Um, attitudes, it's, you know, car drivers, you know, the entitlement of car drivers to the road, thinking that they don't need to share space with cyclists. You know, uh, I stopped counting years ago how many times I got honked at or yelled at uh, just for trying to ride on the road. And I try to be a very respectful cyclist and stay to you know the right of the road as much as I can. But some people, some drivers, just feel like they're entitled to every square inch. Uh, so that's another thing. And you know, when you start, when you get down to thinking about it, it's really a lot of things you need to overcome. I often think that. Cyclists, you know, a lot of cities exist in, you know, the margins of, of the infrastructure. There's good infrastructure for cars. A lot of places there's decent infrastructure for pedestrians. And cyclists are really welcome on neither of those. I mean, in my city, it's illegal to ride on the sidewalks, for example. So you kind of have to find your place. And, we, you know, it's, it's, it's changing now uh, with some accommodation. But it really was sort of a hostile environment and remains a hostile environment. Uh, for a lot of things too. I'd say even like the suburban development pattern, sort of the sprawl that creates really long distances or or roads that are sort of long uh, loping uh, suburban roads that don't go direct to your route. Even that can be a discouragement, right? By adding extra kilometers or extra miles onto your 
route when you don't, you know, when a different uh, development pattern would help it could help. So it really is uh, when you start to look at it. I, I didn't mean that video to be so so discouraging. <laughs> but when you get when you start thinking about it, there is a lot that prevents you. So I hope uh, what people take from that is like an an inspiration to sort of find it. One thing I found too over the years is that if you sort of piece these things together, if you ride enough, you can sort of find there's a bike lane over there and two blocks to the west is another bike lane. And if you just take this little route, you can get there. So I think I've sort of pieced together a nice route for me on my commute now. Um, it's not direct and no one built it specifically that way, but it's worked out pretty well over the years. So, you know, I just don't want people to be discouraged by these little things. I think once you start riding and get some more experience, it's uh, you can make it work. So that was sort of the intention there is like, recognize things, these things, but also let's get over them and do the best we can with the infrastructure we've got. Tom, that's very interesting. And you're, is, is that countrywide in Canada that you're not allowed uh, to ride a bike on a sidewalk or is that just in Calgary? And it's set by the municipality, but it's pretty universal. I don't, I can't think of another bigger city where you can ride on sidewalks. Interesting. Can you tell the audience a little bit about what an Idaho stop is? Well, the Idaho stop is a, uh, a statue that came out of Idaho more than 25, maybe 30 years ago now that allows cyclists to treat stop signs as yield signs. And it started in, in Idaho from what I've learned just based on a judge at one point was tired of uh, what he thought as um, sort of all these needless tickets being written for cyclists not stopping at stop signs when there really was no danger. And so what it allows cyclists to do is not, not ignore stop signs, but treat them as yield. So you can sort of, you can roll up to a stop sign and if the path is clear, you can keep going without coming to a complete stop. And it was kind of an anomaly that long ago, you know, 30 years ago. Um, but it, you know, I've, I've, I've talked to a couple of people in Idaho who say like, it just works. You know, there, there, there's a lot of, this idea has come up in a lot of other cities and it often, it rarely gets implemented anywhere else. Even in my city, a couple of years ago, a city councilor suggested it and it went nowhere because there is this impression that we'd be treating cyclists differently, especially in, you know, it's unfair and it would be dangerous. But everyone I've talked to in Idaho is like, has said to me, it's just, it just works. Like there's, ne you know, if, Sometimes cyclists ignore the law and just roll through. That's not what the law says. It's about yielding. As long as cyclists obey the law, it seems to work really well. And I like it because it's just a little boost to someone on a bike. It's just, you know, cycling is all about momentum. And sometimes a stop sign that makes a lot of sense for a, a two-ton motor vehicle does not make a lot of sense for someone on a bike. And just a little change like that, I'd love to see implemented in more places because it just it makes the, the city a little bit more friendly to biking, makes it just a little bit easier to get around, especially when it doesn't seem to cause that much harm. So I'd love to see it in more places. Absolutely. Tom, what are two books you would recommend to the audience that have been influential to you as a person? Well, I've got a couple of uh, related to cycling. I've got one called uh, Just Ride by Grant Peterson. It's uh, a practical guide to riding your bike and uh, I love this book for its practicality. You know, it really cuts through all the sort of nonsense around cycling uh, as a sport and as uh, sort of the racing culture that takes over cycling. And it uh, uh, talks about the silliness of clip-in shoes and athletic wear and just really gets to the, 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 the sort of basic fun and practicality of riding a bike. Um, so that's a great one. And then I also love uh, The High Cost of Free Parking by uh, Donald Shoup. Um, it just was really an eye-opener to me about the huge societal costs that we 
that come with offering free parking for automobiles in so many places in the world. Um, it opened my eyes to a lot of things, and I think everyone should read it. Yeah, uh, that's a really good one. Automobiles and parking, they're like some of the most subsidized um, aspects of our society in North America. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And it seems to be the cause or the source of so much uh, uh, contention when new proposals come up. It's, it's not, it seems like whenever a new idea is proposed, parking is fundamental to all of the controversy around it. Absolutely. Tom, where could people find you on the internet? My YouTube channel is called Shifter. So if you go to YouTube and uh, search for it, you should be able to find it. Otherwise, you can also find me at shifter.info. Tom Babian, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been an honor. Thank you very much for having me. Great talking to you. Take care. Bye. You too. Bye. Help George stay on the Chicago Heights City Council. Go and donate today at tinyurl.com slash aldermangeorge2023. Begin to transform your life and work towards inner peace with expert psychotherapy. At True Heights Treatment, our experienced therapists provide personalized, compassionate care to help you overcome life's challenges and reach your goals. Whether you're struggling with depression, anxiety, relationship issues, or other mental health concerns, our team is here to support you. With a warm and welcoming in-person and virtual office atmosphere and a commitment to person-centered and evidence-based treatments, we are dedicated to helping you address your life's challenges. Contact us now to schedule your first session at 708-248-7039 or online at trueheightstx.com. Book your appointment today and start your journey towards a happier, healthier life. Need more George? Like his pages on Facebook. Friends of George Brassy PAC, Fifth Ward Business Alliance, Chicago Heights Bicycle and Pedestrian Resource Center, and the George Brassy Podcast.